most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, here at one of the top rankers in the game. Actually, two of the top rankers in the game, because not only do we got my boy Sean Kerner here, but we got a special guest today, my dude. He's at FTN. He's an award-winning SiriusXM host. He's on CBS Sportsnet. Jeff Ratcliffe, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking wide receivers today. Jeff, thanks for doing this, man. How are you doing? I'm excited, man. It's August. Like uh, July flew by. You like blinked for the July. Then boom, here we are in August. It's fantasy draft season. It's like nothing has ever changed. Everybody in all of fantasy land has forgotten everything that has happened last year. And we're falling for all of the same things. This rookie wide receiver stinks. This guy's getting first team reps. Everybody's light years ahead of where they were last year. So I guess we got to you know, get back to uh, the, the the drill here and get everybody set up for drafts. Yeah, it's puff piece season. I mean, there's way too much optimism going around. And it's like, it's that time of year, man. I love it, though. We, we're recording this on a Thursday. That means the, the first football game of the year uh, is, is going to be happening mm-hmm. shortly. So I'm excited about that. And uh, Jeff, I want to – so we're going to be talking about, you know, the top 12 wide receivers in ADP. So this should be interesting because I think – People tend to overthink those those type of things anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I do want to kind of ask you, what is your early round approach this year in general? Are you um, targeting any of those stud wide receivers, especially in round one? Um, or are you kind of going more toward the running backs? Um, uh, is it is Travis Kelsey or, or one of the stud tight ends in your approach? Like, what are you what are you doing early on in these drafts? I actually just wrote up a piece over at FTNFantasy.com that is a comprehensive draft strategy piece. It's a piece I think has been uh, in my brain for the last five or six years. I've talked about various parts of it at times on podcasts, on the radio show, in articles, but I've never truly put it all together. Like, these are the strategies, and then here's how you actually use them. Because I think a lot of drafters, like, they may hear of zero RB, but they have no freaking clue how to actually use it or why it works or hero RB, I call it pun RB too. There's so many different names for it, that approach. Or, um, you know, going robust tight end early, going uh, value tight end or late round tight end, all those different things, I put that all together. But I really think the drafts are, you have to go in uh, with essentially a a multiple offense or, you know, to to borrow from the NFL, multiple defense, multiple offense. We have to go in with um, not married to one strategy. And ultimately, the first two rounds are going to dictate what strategy we deploy based on what is on the board. So we set our board up. Essentially, we'll have 24 players on that board. When we're up, if I'm up at pick seven and the first six guys are off my board, I'm taking number seven. Now, for me right now, that happens to be Jamar Chase. But if Derrick Henry fell, then I'm taking Derrick Henry because I have him one spot ahead of Jamar Chase in my overall rankings. So I'm not going to necessarily say I'm taking a wide out. I'm not saying I'm taking a running back in that first round, I'm taking the top guy on my board, and then I'm going to let that impact then dictate what I'm going to do in round two. 
And then when I do them both of those rounds, then it's game on. And, and by the way, I'm not going robust at running back at all this year. So I'm not going like running back, running back, running back, or anything along those lines. If I get one running back, that's it for me for a while at the position. I won't come back to the position until the middle rounds. I, so I think that's a good, good way to kind of segue into uh, the first wide receiver we're going to talk about then. Um, Cooper Cup, he's, you know, he's a number one wide receiver by ADP. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, you kind of have, you know, running backs and wide receivers, you know, both, you know, like you have Jamar Chase up there. I think at number seven, you said, how early would you take Cooper? Is he, first of all, is he your number one receiver? And how early would you take him overall? Well, it's always challenging with players coming off of historic seasons. They don't call it historic because it happens every year. And it's mind boggling when players come off of historic seasons that people still expect it and then get angry when they still have very good seasons like Patrick Mahomes in 2019 or like Lamar Jackson after the 2019 season. Lamar has been very good. He's not historically 36 touchdown passing Uh good, but he's been very good. It's just our expectations live in the clouds. Cooper Cup had one of the greatest statistical seasons we've ever seen out of a wide receiver in the history of the NFL. And sure. If he regresses from that, that, by the way, to the masses, that does not mean get worse. It means move toward the average. If he regresses from that, he's still going to have a fantastic season. So I know other people are making the argument that he he's not maybe their number one. Maybe it's Justin Jefferson. Maybe it's Jamar Chase. He's still my number one. I'm going to take him at five, four or five overall. He's been floating back and forth. My latest update has him at four. I had him at five last week. I would not talk somebody out of taking him as early as two overall, though. I have McCaffrey there. If you say, hey, I just don't want McCaffrey. I'm going with Cooper Cup, highest floor out of anybody you know, in fantasy right now. Cool. Do it. I don't, I'm, I, I'm not married to any of those guys in that tier necessarily enough to talk you out of it. Uh, but I, I think, you know, for me, four would be about the earliest I would take. Uh, and, Sean, I know, you know, to Jeff's point, you know, we all kind of – see these outlier seasons and then you know we kind of that's our uh, like that resets the baseline for our expectations um but obviously you know as you know one of the reigning ranker champions like you're you're putting a lot of work into kind of regressing these numbers to the mean and, and the median and all that so you know after kind of putting cooper cups you know 145 catch 19 uh 1947 yard 16 touchdown season through your model you know, where does he pop out and, and where is he overall for you? Yeah, so he still pops out, number one. Uh, you know, I agree with a lot of things that Jeff just said where uh, we can't expect him to repeat last season's numbers, but we can't expect anybody else to come close to them either. So um, although I'm factoring in quite a bit of regression uh, going into this season, he's still by far you know, my number one. You can certainly argue that Justin Jefferson, um, you know, could go number one overall at wide receiver, but I still like Cup. Plus, you have to factor in uh, nothing's really changed around him. They're still in Sean McVay's offense. They still have Matthew Stafford at quarterback. If there was a change there, maybe you can argue he can, you know, see more of a decline. But I'm still sticking with him this year um, as my number one wide receiver. And I would take him as early as uh, number two. I mean, um, one of the worst things that can happen is having a shitty wide receiver depth chart in fantasy. Is literally the worst. Any other position you could probably get by and then uh, have some guy pop up off the waiver wire to bail you out. But that just doesn't happen at wide receiver. So I'm, um, you know, typically going wide receiver heavy early on because I'm very confident in my ability 
to, you know, get high upside running backs in the mid to late rounds. That's kind of my thing. So um, I'm much more willing to spend up to get like a Cooper cup or anybody else. So um, I'm happy taking number two overall. And I will say though, that this Matthew Stafford elbow injury thing, just monitor it. Uh, you know, Cooper cup, I, I wouldn't call him QB proof. If John Wolford were ever to start, you know, he might fall outside of my top five. So he is dependent on Stafford's health. So that's a situation we should at least monitor. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, nothing's really changed. I mean, if anything's changed, it's probably changed for the better in support of Cup, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you have, you know, Odell Beckham's probably not coming back. You know, he still kind of he's, wouldn't play half the year anyway. Uh, we just heard Van Jefferson might even miss a couple games mm-hmm. uh, to start the year. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson's there, but I mean, he was not, at least last year, he wasn't as good as guys like Woods or even Beckham. Were. So, I mean, there's a chance Cooper Cup could get more targets this year if they – the only thing I, I'd worry about, and I guess, you know, is, okay, Matthew Stafford's a little bit banged up. You know, the receiving depth chart is a little bit in flux. Um, you know, maybe they are a little less pass-heavy. That's the only thing that I could maybe poke a hole in. But, um, yeah, there, there's nothing really to suggest other than the normal regression um, that that Cup is, is going to decline in any major way. So, yeah. He's he's the he's the guy that I want, you know, if I'm taking a, a wide out in that top five. Um, Justin Jefferson, though, he's close. And Jeff, you 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 kind of alluded to, you know, some people may argue for Justin Jefferson. The reason I like Jefferson and, and I think he could have a cup like season and, and be that next guy to post that outlier is because you have Kevin O'Connell, who is the offensive coordinator of the Rams coming over um, after, you know, he. he worked magic with Stafford and, and, and Cup last year. Now he's going to be with Cousins and Jefferson. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, the impact that, that O'Connell can have? Or does it, does it really not change anything? And it's just Justin Jefferson's that good anyway. Well, what's scary is he was that good in an offense that wanted to run the darn ball <laughs> like it was 1952 all over again. It was an archaic offense that, that Mike Zimmer – forced on them to run and and you're not going to get that any longer we should see a lot of 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field they are going to do that a la sean mcveigh to create those mismatches which i think is really interesting for dalvin cook by the way as well i know that's not really our topic right now yeah but it is oh, nah, very feel free feel free right? to tang- tangentialize um, all you want <laughs> absolutely so and then you have adam Thielen, who's yet another year north of 30 years old which is young for a human being but for a football wide receiver yeah that we're coming to the end of the shelf life there big irv obviously cannot stay healthy is this going to be irv smith like that that to me is scary like he should be fine with the thumb injury but you know yet again just another thing uh beyond that you have some folks with kj osborne as like this like sexy late round guy when is the last time a sexy late round wide receiver was anything for fantasy football? That's why like I, with the Tim Patrick stuff, I love Tim Patrick as a player. I think he is an excellent number three for that team. And one of the better number threes in the league, oh, but yeah. people were acting like this was <laughs> this devastating fantasy thing. Like it was like Jamar chase got hurt, which all right, I'm knocking wood right now. Cause let's not have that happen. Uh, but it, it doesn't, didn't move the needle that much. So those number three receivers on most teams, even on a pass happy team are just not going to be viable fantasy options outside of like a rando week, which is more of a DFS thing. So yeah, yeah. Jefferson, Jefferson, if he has his way is going to be uh, JJ two K or whatever he wants to call himself. You know, he, he didn't call him that, but I called him that he thinks he can go for 2000 yards. I don't want to rule that out, especially with a 17 game season, but if he does that, sure. He's the number one wideout. but 
that's at the high end of his spectrum right now. And really the mid, the mid range, super high floor has a high ceiling should be a really high volume receiver. Just not quite where we are with, uh, with cup. And by the way, one other note on cup, Matthew Stafford said that he didn't really understand the playbook last year. (laughs) So that's kind of scary given how productive he was. If the elbow is fine and they manage the reps and he gets into the season, he's good to go. That offense could be just as scary, if not scarier this year. Wait, so Jeff, what you're saying is that Matthew Stafford should have a, a, a homework clause in his contract. <laughs> got <study. laughs> <That's, laughs> <study. laughs> right? <laughs> no, no more playing uh, video games, all right? Matthew Word, Stafford, man. get off the TikToks. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, like, you know, I think, I think Jefferson is really interesting because you mentioned, like, you mentioned the 2K, and Sean, I'll, I'll throw the question to you. What, what, what odds do you give Justin Jefferson of being like that next out of having that cup, like outlier season? Because I think, you know, uh, Jeff made a good point. It's like, these guys have these outlier years and then we, we expect them to happen every year, but in reality, an outlier is an outlier. You know, it's, it's probably going to regress to the mean. And then another outlier is going to come out of, you know, nowhere that, that didn't happen before. So like when I'm looking ahead, as much as I like cup, I'm saying, Jefferson is that guy that I feel like is next. So like, what are the realistic chances that you think Jefferson could have? Like, I'm not going to say 2000, but you know, like a 1800 yard, 15 touchdown type of year. Well, first of all, I can't believe you let any KJ Osborne slander into this podcast. <laughs> well, so, well, because he, um, we, I thought we were getting Tim Patrick slander, and I, I was getting yeah. really mad. But then, but then I realized it was actually okay. not Tim Patrick slander. Yeah, so that, like, yeah, I was all over. Okay, all was, right. I, a lot of emotions just went through <laughs> me right there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you're putting out a spot here. I mean, I'm gonna just make up a number and say I don't know, 15 to 20 percent okay. chance we get like, like a that. historic season. From Justin Jefferson, I mean, he's already, you know, amassed the most receiving yards for the first two seasons of her career. He's only 23 years old. And as Jeff mentioned, he's now going to be in a more pass-heavy, innovative offense. So, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Um, And I think that that's one thing to point out when it comes to these elite wide receiver ones. Uh, Justin Jefferson's by far my number two. He's almost in the same tier with Cooper Cup. But these other wide receivers are going to get to later, like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, there's reason to be bearish on them this year because they're changing offenses, changing quarterbacks. So, you know, we're going to be downgrading a bit. So a guy like Justin Jefferson has a little bit more value uh, than normal this year because I think this this elite tier is now just, you know, Cup and Jefferson. So that's why, you know, my favorite draft start is probably getting Justin Jefferson with like the fifth or sixth pick and then getting Mark Andrews on the way back. Like that's my favorite draft start. So, um, yeah, so to answer your question, I'd say 15, 20%. We see some like insane season from him. I like those odds. Uh, yeah. I really do. <laughs> I like those odds a lot. I like Justin Jefferson a lot. Um, let's go to Jamar Chase and and Jeff. You know, Sean just mentioned. You know, kind of a tier. You know, Cup Jefferson. Uh, you mentioned you have Chase. You would take Chase around seven. Um, so is that is that like the start of that second tier or one B or whatever you want to call it? Or do you think Chase uh, is 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 like better served it being in that in that top tier with those other two guys? Or we could say that Cooper Cup is in the top tier and then the, the, the <laughs> or next <that>. guys are <laughs> after it. I mean, you could simplify. By the way, no slander on those guys. Uh, the world needs number three receivers for sure. <laughs> I just think that uh, the fantasy masses, though, like you, the three of us, if we talked about it and we hyped up Tim Patrick, we realize he's a number three receiver, yeah, right? Yeah. 
But the fantasy masses, when they hear that, all of a sudden they think, like, I have to get this guy. This guy's the guy. I'm going to draft him three rounds ahead of where he should be. And then they get angry when he produces, True. like, a number three receiver. So, you know, I just I, I try to be real. Like, you know, if you're drafted, you're listening to this right now, you got your drafts coming up, just be realistic with your expectations for all these players. Mm-hmm. And if you are realistic, then – they're, they may exceed your expectations. They may fall flat a little bit, but you'll at least have reasonable expectations going into the season. But for Jamar Chase, here's my point. He showed in week, what was that, week 17 last year, right, that he has a single-game ceiling as high as the only other player who has the highest single-game ceiling out there, Tyreek Hill. Like, if Tyreek Hill went out and said it had – 350 yards and five touchdowns. We'd be like, well, yeah, that was bound to happen one of these days, right? And he was pretty darn close to it uh, recently as well. Chase did, he had one of those types of games. And that was in his rookie season. So where do we go from here? Now, this time last year, we were trying to figure out, was the rookie year uh, an outlier for Justin Jefferson? Or is this a sign? Well, it was a sign of things to come. We know that now. We're maybe trying to figure that out, and certainly a lot of us are on the the side of it's a sign of things to come. I just think with him, with Burrow, if Burrow can be more consistent this year, a lot of people forget that in the middle of the season, he was not the Joe Burrow who won you your fantasy championships. Then Chase is right there. It's just he's not – he doesn't quite have the floor of Justin Jefferson, but he has a ceiling that's higher. You know, he has one of the highest ceilings out of anybody in fantasy football. Yeah, and – you know, I think that's I'm glad you brought up the consistency because, you know, we're talking these top 12 receivers. And um, I, I think it's good to kind of try to find hold, to holes to poke in these guys, because at the end of the day, we, we know they're good. They're, they're going in the top 12. Like, no, one, we're not telling you not to draft any of these guys, but it's like, OK, do I draft this guy over a, a running back that I have ranked equally or, or another one of the guys going after him that I might have, you know, pretty even with? So, um, I, you know, Sean, I'll ask you. I think the only real hole that I can find a poke at Justin Jefferson is he did have eight games under 55 receiving mm-hmm. yards, really seven. Cause you got to exclude that, that final week of the season. Um, they, they took him out early, but you know, still seven games under 55 receiving yards is a lot for a guy that um, is going in the first round. So uh, how do you kind of reconcile that with, you know, w- with, with, with how you're approaching him this year? Yeah, I will say out of those seven games, um, he was able to salvage three of them by scoring mm-hmm. a touchdown. <laughs> and he also had two 200-yard games. Um, so I think with, when it comes to an elite deep threat like Chase, we're just going to expect a little bit more volatility anyway. So he does, you know, he'll, admittedly, he probably has a lower floor than some of these other um, elite wide receiver ones. But we would also expect that um, as a rookie to be a little bit inconsistent. So heading into year two, I mean, that's one of the things he could fix is he could just be, you know, consistently a high floor, high ceiling guy. Um, and, you know, he's only 22 years old. So he's, you know, he's only going to get better. And also I factor in the quarterback age curves as well. Joe Burrow is only going to get better. He's only 25. So both players are ascending. So I think that's going to help with those inconsistency concerns. But again, that's kind of what we would expect from him year one as being an elite deep threat. So I think heading into year two, we can expect a lot more consistency. And that's why he's my uh, number three wide out. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. You know, the the age, the age of, of Burrow and Chase, it's like they did. I mean, even that was Joe Burrow's second year. I mean, granted, but they have they have another thing working in their favor. They you know, they, they they've kind of done this before. You know, they have that experience with each other, you know, going back to school. So 
Um, I, I think, I think, yeah, there's really no chase is only going up for me. I mean, he only had, I think it was 81 catches last year. It seemed like he had over hundred. <laughs> one other thing uh, real quick, I forgot to mention is just, it, they definitely have the most improved offensive line. And I think that'll specifically help Jamar chase. Cause I feel like burrow kind of waits for chase to get open, uh, especially deep. So having better protection, I think we'll just get chase even more targets. Hey, I'll take the nine sacks. If it means Jamar chase can go over 200 yards True. every game. Uh, I mean, so from a guy who is a little bit inconsistent to a, a, a guy that seems like he's been consistent for every game for the better part of the last, what, three, four years now, Devontae Adams, but he, he does, you know, make this the jump from Green Bay, you know, from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, uh, Green <laughs> Bay, <laughs> from Green Bay to Vegas. But in all seriousness, I mean, he, he does have experience playing with Derek Carr before. So that that is a positive. Um, Jeff, do you think? Uh, Adams's numbers take any type of meaningful hit without Rodgers, and I, when I, I say meaningful, as in meaningful enough to like bump him out of uh, you know this top four, or top five. Because I mean, the prop market it still has him at you know twelve hundred yards, uh, nine and a half touchdowns. Which I mean, I think anyone would be happy uh, with that. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, a sizable drop off. Maybe the one area might be touchdowns. We know Rodgers. You know, it's it's weird. Jared Goff has more seasons over 4,600 passing yards in his career than Rodgers does, which is almost mind-boggling, but he's always so hyper-efficient. He, he, he can throw for 4,200 yards and throw for 40 passing touchdowns, which that's really, you know, that's pretty much out of the realm for most quarterbacks. Hart isn't efficient like that, but last year we saw it could be high volume, and yeah. I don't think that Josh McDaniels is going to shy away from that. Plus the fact this team made a sizable investment. The organization made a sizable investment. They are going to want return from that investment. So that it's challenging when you do have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on the field. But I think that the ball will be force fed uh, to his old college buddy. And yes, these guys, it's been a while. But at Fresno State, 38 passing touchdown connections in two seasons between these two. Whatever, college numbers are whatever. But what that does display is they had a very real connection then. They've been trying behind the scenes to make this thing happen. He took less money to go there, which is, to me, almost mind-boggling. But all of it adds up to, yeah, he's going to be heavily used. And honestly, what I like is, yeah, ADP might be at four. I've seen him slip to the middle of the second round. And if Devontae Adams is there, like, you're going to have to tackle me on my way up to the board to get his sticker on there because I can't get it up there fast enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's hard. There's Devontae Adams, maybe even more so than a guy like Jamar Chase. It's really hard to find any holes to poke in him. Um, you know, Sean, do you, you know, you when you put him on Vegas and you put him with Carr, and now he's running routes with Renfro and Waller. I mean, what what's the, is what is the drop off like? Um, you know, compared to to Green Bay. Yeah, I think you know his target share is going to take a bit of a hit, uh, but there should be more passing yards to go around, which can help offset that a bit. <laughs> Plus, let, let's remember, I mean, I, I think Adams with uh, Aaron Rodgers, there's no denying that we would love to see that again. But, you know, Adams himself is no slouch. Um, back in 2017, when Rodgers missed uh, six or eight games, um, you know, Devontae Adams put up wide receiver five numbers with Brett Hundley at under center. Um, and, you know, I would say Derek Carr is a much better quarterback than Brett Hundley. So, you know, Devontae Adams is a guy that's QB proof. He's just an elite receiver. So just in this offense, he's going to make, Derek Carr better. Um, so I, I don't, I obviously there's going to be a slight drop off in his production, but I don't think it's enough to, you know, move him outside of the top four. I still think he's 
one of the top buyouts in the game. And like Jeff mentioned, you know, they're paying him money and, you know, they, they put in a significant, you know, investment into him. So I think he's still going to get his this season. Yeah, I, I always like, you know, I look at the, the target per route numbers and Devontae Adams always at the top of the league. It was 30, uh, 30% last year targets per route. Now, yeah. no one in Green Bay was anywhere near to that, p- p- partly because Devontae Adams was there. Uh, in Vegas, you had Renfro at 23% and you had Waller at 24%. Um, but when you have, like, I think they are going there. When, when you, what usually happens when you have a guy like Adams come in is, the other guys bump down. Like it's not yeah. just necessarily um, taking away from Devonte mm-hmm. Adams. So I don't not, I'm not saying he hits 30% again. Um, you know, I, I obviously factor that into my model. I think I have him, you know, a, a, a few ticks lower than that, maybe in the high twenties. Um, but uh, he still comes out as the wide receiver four. So I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think the floor is there um, and, and it's Devonte Adams. So the ceiling will always be there. And Jeff, like you said, we could get a, a 5,000 yard passing season out of Derek Carr just because the Raiders, um, he, he's kind of done that with volume, you know, and, and I, I you know, I really, I, I'm not shying away from Adams at all. I love, I, I, I would, t- you know, like I, I would take him in the first round too. It's just, you don't have to a lot of the time. So yep. um, great value there. Let's go to number five. Now we start getting into, you know, probably start making arguments for different guys here. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs has been the, the player that's most consistently I've seen um, go number five, um, Jeff, you know, is Diggs like a, a, a kind of dark horse candidate to lead the NFL in catches and yards again, like he did in 2020. I mean, they did lose some, some, some volume guys like uh, Sanders and uh, Beasley. I, I think that's a great call out on your part because the, the common widespread perception is that Diggs is coming off of a down year. <laughs> What? Seriously, people think <laughs> this. Like he had a double-digit <laughs> touchdown season, triple-digit catches, and that was somehow disappointing to people out there. And the way the brain works, right? Mm-hmm. Gabe Davis had the Al Bundy-like feat of scoring four touchdowns in a single football game. So, of course, that's what we care about. I'm not saying that you know this has dramatically impacted Diggs' draft stock. But we also have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, people in our position impact where he's going in drafts more so than the people uh, out there in the backyards doing the drafts. But, hey, you know, you definitely could see him lead the league in catches. That wouldn't surprise me at all. We definitely could see another double digit. I'm not going to project him with double digit touchdowns, but we could certainly see that. We could certainly see another heavy yardage here. And it's not like he's he's that like he's he's not young at this point in his career, but he's still only age 29 season. Mm-hmm. He's locked in as the top receiver. Yeah, Gabe Davis will will take a step forward. Who's the number three? Like we have a couple contenders, Jamison Crowder, who is experiencing general soreness. I don't <laughs> know what that is, but it's something. Isaiah McKenzie, who's a gadget player, which I don't use that in a derogatory way. I don't mean, oh, look at him, he's a gadget player. No. He's a guy who serves a better role for a football team than he does for fantasy purposes. And then, you know, uh, Khalil Shakur, uh, Shakir, he, he's an interesting young player, but he may not be ready to be a number three just yet. So, yeah, the target should be there in abundance. I mean, yes, James Cook. I know somebody's going to yell at me on Twitter. What about James Cook? <laughs> James Cook will get his share of targets out of the backfield. But, yeah, it should be targets in abundance for Diggs, which means a nice high floor. And he comes with that nice high ceiling as well. Yeah, I, I really like me some digs. I didn't even realize how much I like digs until I just 
I started to see him, you know, slip into the mid second round. I, I, his still ADP is still 12th overall. So it's not like, I'm not saying like people are way down on him, but he just seems to be flying under the radar for uh, 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 the number one, clear number one receiver. Cause even as much as we love Gabe Davis, you know, he's, I don't look at Gabe Davis like a volume guy, right? Like I look at Gabe Davis, like a guy who's going to, you know, open up the, the downfield um, for, for, for a guy like Diggs. And he's going to catch, you know, like he'll, he'll have games where he catches like three for 101 and two touchdowns, but Diggs is the guy to go for like 10 for 150. Um, so yeah, I, I like me some Diggs, and this is, he's, he's connected to the number one overall quarterback in fantasy. And I feel like people are, are just forgetting about Stefan Diggs. Uh, Sean, where are you on, on Diggs heading into uh, 2022? You know where I am. I'm always, uh, <laughs> you know, having Diggs in my top five. So I, I still love him this year. Um, he led the league in end zone targets last season with 19. So I think that touchdown, for, uh, you know, he scored 10 touchdowns last year. I think that should stay. Although that that would be my only concern where Gabe Davis might eat into his touchdown share. Uh, you know, Gabe is obviously a red zone weapon. But I think the weapons around him are very similar. You know, I think Gabe is probably an upgrade. Well, he definitely is an upgrade over Manny Sanders. And I think Jamison Crowder should be able to fill in the Cole Beasley role. Although, Jeff, I will say general soreness is a real thing. I experience it daily. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a bit concerning that Jamison Crowder, while people aren't experiencing that. So I might have to downgrade him a bit. But overall, I think this offense could be even better this year. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I did like Crowder. I thought Crowder was a little undervalued at one point because um, I, I, you know, if you kind of project him for that Beasley role, um, yeah. he would be yeah. way undervalued. But now, you know, he's missing time and we're hearing that McKenzie could be a real threat to at least kind of split that role with him a little bit more. And, and they did use McKenzie more going down a stretch mm-hmm. last year. So um, something to monitor. But um, let's go to CeeDee Lamb. And uh, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, he's another one of those guys. I mean, you talk about a dark horse to lead the league in targets. Uh, every Cowboys pass catcher seems to be um, there, there seems to be some type of malady uh, going on with them. And so, like, you know, uh, Gallup probably going to miss a few games. Now you just had James Washington get hurt as well. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, as much as I, I like him for the opportunity, he's still a rookie. Maybe they signed a veteran. But, um, you know, Jeff, what, you know, what, do, what do you think about Lamb uh, heading, into, uh, heading into this year, just having all these targets uh, to himself? I mean, seriously, when you took over 100 targets off the, the, the table with Amari Cooper going to Cleveland, he's not going to get all those targets because that would be a record, but he'll <laughs> get a good chunk of them. Dalton Schultz really is the number two target right now until Michael Gallup is back and healthy. And we've seen guys come back from ACLs and not be 100% for another full season. Uh-huh. So there's no guarantee that Gallup is just the old Gallup right away. Um, you mentioned Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert, I thought that pick, like my pre-draft comp for Jalen Tolbert was Michael Gallup. So it was like, wow, Dallas has a type here and they're trying to fill this role in the long term. James Washington, that just sucks. But James Washington, let's be honest, is probably better suited to be like a number four who occasionally gets number three reps as mm-hmm. opposed to just a number three. So yeah, the, the signs are here. This should be a more run heavy team that's going to lean on Zeke and Pollard but the signs are here. The NFL will often tell us these things without directly telling us that lamb should have a massive volume season. He is, you know, back to back, but the first two years in the league were, as far as I'm concerned, rock solid. He played a lot in the slot that rookie season, but really got his feet wet, went out 935 yards. Okay. Not massive, but you know, we're kind of spoiled now with like Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase rookie seasons, by the way, it's all the people out there. Look at Devonte Smith's numbers from last year. Not a bad rookie season. 
Then he goes and improves on those numbers last year. We've seen this many times before in the history of the NFL where receivers continue to move up and up and up, and then all of a sudden, boom, they hit. Devontae Adams is a prime example of that, by mm. the way, earlier in his career. So, yeah, I love C.D. Lamb right now where we are getting him. I, don't, I would never say, oh, I love him, take him in the first round. No, where he's going in the middle or even towards the back half of that second round, love every bit of that given the volume potential. And, uh, and Sean, I'll ask you this about Lamb. You know, we, we kind of hit on the volume. Um, you know, where are you with the touchdowns? Are the touchdowns just going to come as the volume increases? Because I think that's really the only thing you look at Lamb and you say, okay, you know, he had six touchdowns. That's kind of underwhelming uh, in this offense. Um, you know, in the red zone, he's only, yeah, he only had 10 red zone targets each of the first two years. So um, it, it, do you have that kind of increasing naturally, or is this kind of like a Julio Jones situation where he's so good that defenses are just like, let anybody else do it? Oh God, I hope this isn't a <laughs> situation, but no, he, he ranked 17th in end zone targets last year with 10. Um, he's also very good after the catch, so he doesn't necessarily need an end zone target to score. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, when it comes to lamb, when he was drafted in the first round, you know, a few years ago, this is the season we were waiting for when Amari's gone and it looks like Lamb's going to be the bona fide number one target in this offense. He's only 24 years old. He's entering year three. All signs are pointing to a breakout. So something like his touchdown rate um, could spike this season. And plus, you know, last season even, he, he ran around 83% of the time. Uh, so let's get that up closer to 95% this year, Cowboys. So he even has room to grow and just playing time. Um, so, you know, I'm all in on Lamb. Unfortunately, the market is too. Uh, it's it's a shame how sharp the market is when it comes to Lamb because wide, re- wide receiver six is about where he should go. Um, I was hoping going into the season he'd be closer to you know, wide receiver 11 and we get a steal there. But uh, I like where he's going. You know, like Jeff said, like he's in the second round. So that's that's a perfect time to take a guy like Lamb who could absolutely finish as a you know top three, top five wide receiver this season. Yeah, I think, you know, he's he's one of those dark horses to lead the league in targets, catches, yards as well. Um, and, and the touch, like, I don't, there's nothing that like, even though he hasn't had the, the red zone production, there's nothing in his game that says this guy can't score a touchdown. So, um, I, I really, I really like him. I, I don't think you're going wrong with him. Um, and you know, I think maybe like Jeff, you said, you know, the Cowboys could and probably should be a little run heavier. Um, but I mean, this is a team that threw for nearly 5,000 yards and, and 40 touchdowns last year. I think. You know, they could lose a little volume and, and Lamb being a target hog um, could still be, you know, could still justify his ADP and, and even more. Uh, okay, so now, now it starts to get a little dicier. Um, I think you could make a case for a number of different uh, players at wide receiver seven. ADP uh, at Fantasy Pros and half PPR has Debo Samuels, the one. It's a, it's a, you know, a few sources that they're getting this from. So, Jeff, uh, you know, what do you think about Debo? I mean, do you, do you do you want him to continue being like the wide back at the possible expense of, um, you know, seeing some of the receiving work? You know, that's kind of what happened last year. But he just was like an outlier running the ball. I mean, every every time he touched the ball, it was like a rushing touchdown. Um, and like part two of that question is what also what do you think the impact is of going, um, you know, to, to Trey Lance at quarterback for Debo? Well, real quick, uh, historically, the complaint of Julio Jones was that he did not score touchdowns. Last year, the complaint of Kyle Pitts was, oh, yeah, he didn't score touchdowns. What's the freaking common denominator? It wasn't (laughs) Julio Jones. I hope Julio Jones scores 15 touchdowns for the Buccaneers this year and shows everybody it was Matt 
freaking Ryan. That was the common denominator oh, no. with all of that. Uh, is no, this so, Michael Pittman? So Michael Pittman. Oh, oh, no. No. Okay. I'm not saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not putting that on anybody. I'm not putting that on anybody right now. But we shall see. You know, we shall see there. So let's go to uh, Debo. The yeah. challenge. Let's say Debo is in a wide back role. And um, I don't know. He carries the ball, what, uh, eight times for... Let's give him 60 yards, like, because he can rip off some long runs. All right. So that is uh, six points. Yeah. And then he catches one ball for 12 yards. He has just <laughs> scored, what, eight, 8.2 points because he didn't score a touchdown. You know, I, I often talk about what I call the Derek dilemma. It's Derek Henry. Derek Henry can go out and have 20 carries for 95 yards. That's a solid NFL day, right? It is a terrible fantasy day if he doesn't score a touchdown and does nothing in the passing game. The Derek dilemma. The Debo dilemma, if he is used in the wide back role and doesn't score touchdowns at a historically high rate, <laughs> we're going to be pretty upset. So I, I'm hoping with this investment, follow the money, right, that they are not going to use him as much there because it does open him up to injury. They do have those incentives in the contract. 650K if he goes for 380 yards. it's 150K if he scores three rushing touchdowns. It's not all, a lot for the 49ers, really a drop in the bucket, but it obviously was a concern on Debo's side, or else th that language would not be in the contract. So while I think, you know, Shanahan coming out and saying, yes, he's still going to be a wide back, I don't see like, I don't see 100 carries for Debo. I see, you know, 50 carries is what, three per game roughly? So maybe it's 50 carries, but I just don't I don't see that. So I think this is a fine place to take him. And I do think Trey Lance is uh, is the next man up. And I do think that he's going to take a big step forward and surprise the masses this year. Oh, yeah, I love me some Trey. Like Trey Lance is just like it's like every year I feel like there's this sexy quarterback that's like going like a little too late that people are still like worried about. Like it was, I remember it was Mahomes one year. I think there were like there were like 10 people. Fantasy Pros tweeted something like there were only 10 people that ranked Mahomes inside the top 10 that year, like before his rookie, like for his second year. And it's like 20, 2018. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when he threw the, yeah, it's like Trey Lance has those same kind of signs. I mean, I, he's not an Andy Reid's offense, but I, I wouldn't doubt him, especially for fantasy. But um, Sean, like where, what are you projecting as far as how the usage breaks down for Debo? Cause as you pointed out last year, a lot, a lot, you know, as good as Debo was running the ball, it, it did kind of take, you know, hurt his receiving production. I mean, it wasn't always one catch for 12 yards, but it was like three catches for 34 yards and just kind of underwhelming compared to, you know, where he started. the. And we also got to keep in mind, he did have an outlier um, in terms of his yards per reception. I mean, he led the week at 18.2, which is great, but still an outlier. Yeah, so I think, you know, Debo, uh, I would say three carries a game would be optimal for him for fantasy purposes. Now, last season, when, when he started that five to eight rush attempts a game role starting in week 10, he was the wide receiver three the rest of the season. But as Jeff alluded to, that was mainly due to touchdown luck. He had eight rushing touchdowns. Um, so, you know, something around three carries a game where he's mainly just getting goal line work would be optimal. Because, you know, a, a guy like him getting goal line carries on top of, you know, possibly catching touchdowns would be massive for his ceiling. So I think um, having that, you know, role will be good for his floor because this, this offense could be a little bit more run heavy. Uh, with Trey Lance. So guaranteeing a few, you know, carries will help his floor. But either way, I, I am a little bit worried about it. So I think the way I invest in Debo 
George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk is just by taking Trey Lance. So I think that's that's the way I cover all my bases. Where every week, you know, one of those guys might have a dud, one of them might go off, but you know, Trey Lance will be benefiting either way. Um, so that's kind of how I've been handling the 49ers situation in general. Yeah, I actually have Debo ranked nine. Um, oh instead. wow, you're usually yeah, like, and I'm, yeah, I'm well, because you know, again, you it's 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 as good as Debo is. I, I think we all kind of alluded to. Again, we're not saying don't draft them. And, and a lot of times, Debo, even in even with being at ADP seven, he will slip to nine. Like there's a standard deviation in ADP, folks. It's yeah. called an average. It's an average. And with an average comes the standard deviation. So, but that being said, it's like you can't project. You can't project him to score. Uh, you know, one rushing <laughs> touchdown every like how eight many, carries again. <laughs> how many rushing touchdowns do you have projected? Do you have um, yeah, let me pull it up. I have him at. Uh, I'm at uh, three and a half. Okay, that's I think three point five. Yeah, we. Oh, are, there we go. We're in lockstep. Yeah, I got him six point four yards a carry. Uh, three point yeah. five rushing touchdowns. So, and and listen again, like like Jeff hammered it. This is this regression to the mean. Like this, there's no way that you can you know project this guy for for eight rushing touchdowns. So that just worries me because. I think there are some some signs for concern where Debo just statistically can take a, a step back. Number one, now you have Trey Lance on the field every play. The reason Debo was getting a lot of rushing work is because Elijah Mitchell was great, but he 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 could barely make it. Like th- like he was struggling. He was always getting banged. I mean, at one point he got hurt, left the game, and had to come back because every other running back got hurt. Like that was that was <laughs> Elijah Mitchell's season in a nutshell. So now you have another option. You have Trey Lance as another option. In, in, in addition to you drafted Ty David, Davis Price, you, you have Jeff Wilson healthy uh, for now. Um, you know, like there are more options to hand the ball uh, to than there was last year. So now I think you do go back to Debo being mostly a receiver, right? But you have Trey Lance at quarterback. And as much as I like Trey Lance, like, do, like it, it's not a guarantee that they – have a, the same amount of pass volume that they even had with Jimmy last year. There's no guarantee that he's like a, a, a guy who's going to throw a ton of touchdowns or, you know, maintain that like eight yards in attempt type of thing like Jimmy did. So, you know, there, there are just concerns there where I could say, okay, you know, maybe a guy like Tyreek Hill, I feel a little better about it. even a guy like Keenan Allen. It's like, you know, we know what we're getting here. Whereas Debo, it could go a lot of ways. That's, that's all I'm saying. And it, it, we could get some of those, we could finally see some of those inconsistencies pop up for Debo that really weren't there last year because he was able to score a rushing touchdown in, in those games where, you know, he didn't, he didn't really do well uh, catching the ball. So that, that's the only reason I have him a little bit lower, but um, it's, it's not like a major downgrade. It's just, uh, I don't have him at seven. Uh, Tyreek. Tyreek is, you know, he, he's, he's going from uh, the best quarterback to, eh, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, <laughs> Tyreek is just, like you mentioned, it, he's this generational talent that could go for 350 and five, and we wouldn't blink. But, like, can he do that too? So, everybody <laughs> was widely off base when this went down because a lot of folks pointed to Tyreek Hill essentially being a downfield threat. While that may have been true in 2018, it was decidedly not true last season. He was a lower ADOT guy who really functions best. He becomes a, the most dynamic punt returner ever in the history of creation when he gets the ball in his hands. So let him make plays in space. And when we look at where Tua came from, Tua came from obviously Alabama. All those receivers coming out of Alabama. 
every year, who was the comp for at least one of those receivers? Tyreek Hill, right? And Mike McDaniel, who not only seems like he's one of the coolest dudes in the NFL, but on top of it, very bright mind, is smart enough to think, okay, let's just get the archetype. Like, let's not, let's not get all these cheap imitations. Let's get the, just get the dude. And where, where does Tua excel? With a deep ball? No, but he doesn't need to. He is an extremely accurate player who can hit the, the, the receivers in stride to allow them to then create after the catch. So now he has that with, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle on the field as well. Uh, but I, I think that this actually sets up very well in that offense, which also, you know, we, we know it's going to be some kind of version of what we've seen with, from Kyle Shanahan, which puts these receivers in a position to make plays after the catch. So I think it's actually not bad at all. And I like the Tyree Kill discount, especially right now. Yeah. I'll let the people doubt on, on Tyree Kill and, and I'll scoop them up wherever I can. Yeah, and, and by the way, Mike McDaniel, you know who he coached last year? Debo Samuel. <laughs> and he told Debo Samuel, if you have a great year, you will get paid, check, and I will become a head coach, check. Like He was yeah. prophetic with it, and, and exactly <laughs> right. So, yeah, uh, awesome. Um, apparent, the, the quote, the thing that was going around yesterday that he didn't realize it was Yeezy Day, um, Mike, yeah, like all the, the Mike Jones, like all the rap quotes from, from him. I, I just love him. He's way up in my coaching rankings, but I also think he's a very bright mind and I'm excited to see what this Dolphins offense does. Did you, uh, did you enter any draws for any Yeezys? Did you win any? I did not worry about any Yeezys. No. No Yeezys. I, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't get any either. I, I want, I'm, I'm going to have to pay resale now. I, I didn't get, I didn't win any draws. So, uh, uh Sean. Um, what are your thoughts on Tyreek? I mean, I, 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 I've taken Tyreek over Debo in, in, at some spots just because, again, like, I, I like the Tyreek discount, too. Like, I know people are going to say, like Jeff alluded to, oh, two is not a good downfield thrower. One, he actually was a good downfield thrower. He just didn't attempt a lot of downfield passes. Uh, and two, I, I don't think he needs to really throw downfield to, for, to maximize Tyreek um, because of what Jeff alluded to. But where are you uh, on Tyreek heading into the, his first year with the uh, with this new offense yeah I would, I would agree with all that and you know it's certainly a downgrade going from a home to two there's no denying that but Tyreek himself you know is a generational talent so he will make two a better um and we saw a glimpse of Tyreek playing without Mahomes already um he played two and a half games with uh Matt Moore under center and he posted wide receiver five numbers so there you go uh I would say two is better than Matt Moore um so I we think hope. that yeah, we hope. Um, I think I think Tarek's, Tarek's floor and ceiling might, might be a little bit lower in this offense. Like we we might see some musical chairs with you know Hill, Waddle, Gasicki, maybe where two of those guys go off and one has a dud. Uh, but Tyreek, I think they're going to guarantee touches for Tyreek week in week out. And I think that the improved offensive line should help too. You know they brought in Connor Williams and Teron Armstead. You know last year's offensive line was one of the worst in the league. That's why two didn't throw deep. Um, you know, they, they just had to get it out quick. So I think this year, if the offensive line improves, certainly under the scheme, like the scheme itself will help the offensive line as well. Um, you know, that's going to benefit Tyreek as well. So you, I think wide receiver eight, yeah, you're getting a pretty good discount there. I, I would have him around wide receiver six, just based on his talent alone. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think, yeah, taking him over Debo makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to knock Debo people. No. Everyone who's listened to this pod knows, like, I was giving Sean shit for, like, <laughs> like not having Debo in his top five. Because yeah, I had enough. digs up there. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There's only five guys who can squeeze up here. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I, I like the fact that, like, 
this is there's like this Mike McDaniel upside, you know, what he did with Debo. I think I think you know Tyreek might get used in ways that he w- wasn't even used in, in KC or he wasn't used since his rookie year, maybe mm-hmm. in KC. So um I it's splitting hairs, but I I I don't really worry too much about a guy like Tyreek Hill um in this kind of offense. I just see more regression coming from Debo, I guess is the way I I should put it. Um, all right, these next two guys, I, I want to go a little quicker because I want to spend a lot more time on the last two. Um, so these next two, I'm gonna Jeff, I'm gonna kind of group them together. They're just so damn consistent. Mike Evans, <laughs> yeah. Keenan Allen. I mean, just speak words on them because I don't really have any like thing to like poke about or like I I think you're happy where you get them, but like what is you know just tell me talk to me about those two. Two very different pl- types of players, obviously. Uh, yeah, Mike Evans has been. I, I I hate the Mike Evans disrespect that that is widespread out there. This guy now eight seasons in a row with a thousand receiving yards, which is unreal. And then add Brady to the mix, and you're talking 27 receiving touchdowns over the last two years. Yeah, Godwin's back, but I still, you know, Evans to me with his ceiling is the obvious preferred of the two. And we don't know where Godwin exactly is in this return, just that he managed to avoid the preseason pup. As far as Allen is concerned. The floor is massive. Like this is a guy. He's like he's like a hundred catch ink. You know, just ink it in hundred catches. <laughs> but is he going to have more than six or seven touchdowns? That's the thing. Is the touchdown upside there? I mean, perhaps like we we don't know what ju- this is a scary thing. We don't know what Justin Herbert's ceiling is yet. Like that's freaking scary. We don't know what Joe Burrow's ceiling is. I don't even think we know what Josh Allen's ceiling is. Like this is this is a great generation of quarterbacks. I'm excited for it, but. Allen is up there in age, um, more of a higher volume, but not as much touchdown upside guy. And uh, I actually don't have him inside my top 12. I have him as a front end wide receiver too, for that very reason, but I'm not going to fault anybody for taking him. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason I like Allen is because like you, you mentioned it, the floor is there. Um, Justin Herbert's the favorite to lead the league in touchdown passes. Who's he going to throw the most passes to? Keenan Allen. Like, it's just like the upside is still there. I know he hasn't realized it yet, but the upside is there for him to score touchdowns. So, like, I don't, I, you know, I'm not really too worried about it. Um, Sean, where are you on, on Evans and, and Allen? Two of the more, I, I think they're just the more boring, just consistent guys <laughs> yeah, that we're going to talk about. Exactly. We, we know exactly what we're going to get. The thing with Evans that I love is he's never going to have two bad games in a row. Raybon, you always, yes, like, this during the season. If he has a bad game, Tom Brady's apologizing. Uh, to the media, to Evans. Uh, unfortunately, we won't get Bruce Arians saying, I effed up. We need to get Mike Evans the ball <laughs> next week. And then he scores three touchdowns next week. So you're never going to have two bad games in a row with Evans. Love Evans in this spot, especially in best ball. He's obviously a best ball monster. Whereas Keen Allen, he's the perfect redraft league head-to-head guy. You know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, you guys were debating what he's going to get You know, in the touchdown department. Just mark him down for 100 catches, 1,100 yards, Six touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, right. like that's what you're going to get. No, no thinking about it. Just write it down. So that's perfect for, you know, redraft leagues. Yeah. All right. So, you know, the, the reason I wanted to go quick through those two is because I think this next guy, number 11 in ADP, I think he has a wide range of outcomes. Uh, I love the talent, you know, but there's questions about the quarterback. There's even questions about, you know, his prior production. I mean, this is a guy who's never even you know, he's never had 100 catches. He's never had more than, uh, I believe, it. he's never even had 110 targets uh, in a year, I believe it is. Uh, and that is A.J. Brown. Um, Je- Jeff, where are you on A.J. Brown? Like, is the move from Tennessee to Philly, is it an upgrade? Is it a downgrade? Is it a lateral move? Like, how, uh, how are you kind of forecasting this? 
I view it mostly lateral, um, going from a run-heavy offense to what likely will still be a run-heavy offense. Like, obviously, those carries are coming slightly differently. It's not just Derrick Henry averaging 30 carries a game. Or, yeah. or you know, what he – well, it was, tw- it was just under 30, sorry, uh, over those first eight last year. Um, it's Miles Sanders. It's a little bit of Kenny Gainwell. And, obviously, it's Jalen Hurts and maybe some Boston Scott in that run-heavy approach. But – I expect Jalen Hurts to take a step forward as a passer. Mm-hmm. Last year was his rookie season. You know, yes, he played the season before, but last year was really his rookie season. He got to learn this offense. And now the team wisely realized, oh, we suck at drafting wide receivers. Let's just go and trade for one. And got got a true alpha in there who, again, we, we don't really know what he is fully capable of. And it's not like he's on the back nine of his career just yet. You know, just the fourth season in the NFL, got his contract, got his fully guaranteed money, and he's going to get force-fed the football. So I, I'm fine with this because, you know, if you're wide receiver 11, you just said standard deviation. So that means there's probably a good shot you're spilling into the third round. So you're getting a guy with the ceiling potential of A.J. Brown, maybe in the early third round. Don't mind that at all. Sean, what about you? How are you, uh, how are you doing with A.J. this year? Yeah, so A.J., I mean, he's going from a run-heavy offense to run-heavy offense. So I think it is uh, more of a lateral move. I think, you know, Hertz is probably a little bit more inaccurate than Tannehill. But either way, they brought Brown in because they probably do want to throw more. If you look at weeks one through seven last year, they were the eighth heaviest passing team on early downs. Um, and they started off two and five, and then you had Nick Sirianni doing his bizarre or something about potted plants and fertilizer and whatever, and they became an extreme run-heavy team. So it shows that he is good at adjusting to his personnel. So I think bringing in Brown, they'll probably want to be a little bit more pass-heavy. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's similar to Trey Lance, where I, I'm investing in him to get Debo um, vicariously through Trey Lance. I'm doing that with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. I'm not really getting A.J. Brown at wide receiver 11, I'm drafting Jalen Hurts wherever I can. And I think A.J. Brown's going to, you know, make Jalen Hurts a league winner. So um, that's kind of how I'm approaching it, where I, I think, you know, wide receiver 11 is probably closer to his ceiling in this offense. But like you said, you know, A.J. Brown has never been a large volume guy anyway. He's been super efficient. So I think that's going to continue this year. But just in this offense, his ceiling is a bit capped. Yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am. I think those top 10 and, you know, I have – like you could, you could kind of split hairs about, okay, who should be seven? Who should be eight? Who should be nine? Yeah. I think there is. And I know Jeff, I, I know you have, um, you have AJ higher than Keenan Allen, right? What did you say? AJ Brown, what? AJ Brown higher than Keenan Allen. Do you have uh, Keenan Allen? Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. AJ yeah. Brown yeah. In the top 12. yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually, I would, I have uh, Allen above Brown. I think there's a teardrop after those top 10, including Allen, because I, I, I just think there's more questions about Brown that bring with it a low, a, a potential lower floor. One of them is, you know, it, it, always going to a new team, I think, for, for somebody that what, isn't like a Devontae Adams who's going to rely on pure volume. I think there's always a chance that, you know, just variance-wise, things could go a little left. Um, I think number two, and, and Jeff, you kind of you alluded to this, but, like, we have no idea how good Devontae Smith really is. Like, he had a very good rookie year. Um, so there's a change, like, I'm not saying like, this is the median outcome, but I'm saying it's in the realm of possibility that Devonte Smith is the number one receiver wow. at this time next year. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a hot take artist. I'm just saying like, <laughs> like this is, there's, it's not out of the question where for pretty much every other guy we mentioned, 
it's out of the question. Like they're going to lead their team in catches and yards. Like for this Philly team, it's like, there's a chance that it's Devontae Smith. AJ Brown is very good. Devontae Smith could be very good. So like, to me, there's just, there's a more floor with, with Brown. And that's why I, I, I kind of, I'm with Sean. I'm like, I, I, I think Jalen Hurts um, is, a, is a great way to invest in this offense and in, in, in this passing offense because he's going to make, uh, Brown's going to make Hurts more efficient. We, we know that for a fact. But, like, w- will Brown go for, like, you know, 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns or will he go for, like, 1,000 yards and, and seven touchdowns? Like, there's, there's a, a wider range of outcomes with, with I think, a lower floor for Brown, in, in my opinion, going, and it's just a new quarterback, you know? So um, that, that's kind of why I'm a little, I'm a little more down on Brown um, where he's going, um, you know, than, than maybe ADP. Uh, and uh, the last guy is T Higgins, Jeff. I mean, is the way I'll kind of ask this question, does is he deserve to be the only non number one guy in the top 12 in ADP? Like he's, the, he's that first guy that's really not a number one receiver. Um, that's in the top 12. It's tricky, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. Again, that recency bias is going to come into play and people are going to remember T Higgins over the final half or the second half of the season, final eight games, roughly as a season last year, where he was incredible. And they're going to forget the first half of the season when he was a bit of a fantasy liability for a good chunk of that time. Um, one would think the way that Joe Burrow is going, though, that, you know, ultimately he, Higgins is just going to benefit. You know, Joe Burrow is the tide for everybody else, uh, all the other boats in that offense. So it's tricky. I've, I've really grappled with this one because there are other guys who could be in and around that range. Like, do you put DJ Moore up there? There, There's a debate to be made, right? 1100 plus yards each of the last four or three years, only four touchdowns in each of those seasons, but hopefully an upgrade with Baker Mayfield. Hopefully Uh, do you put Deontay Johnson who just apparently got paid in that group? Or does he even have a quarterback? Like Mitchell Trubisky apparently is not performing well. Surprise, surprise. Mason Rudolph is in the mix for the starting job. Legitimately, that's where we are at this point in the year. So that's rough. Do you put Michael Pittman, who we just talked about, in that category? It, to me, almost as if once you get outside of, you know, and again, like to further your point, once you get outside of that top 10, or maybe I might throw Brown in at 11, you do have a teardrop, and then those guys clump together. So it is, it's really tricky. I do admittedly actually have him ranked at 12, but I've been back and forth about this over and over for, for the reasons I just outlined about the inconsistency over the first part of the season, uh, all off season. Yeah. I, I think that, that was a very eloquent way to put it because I'm in the same boat. It's like the way I do my projections are, you know, I'm starting, I'm taking a top down approach. So I'm, I'm, I'm projecting quarterbacks first and kind of tinkering with that. And then, then I'm doing, you know, the, 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 the market shares and all that stuff for the receivers. And, you know, just based on my optimism for, or just not even optimism, but it's kind of just my projection for Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I think I have him at the highest yards per attempt in the league. Like it's just, that's where Higgins is, is comes out for me as, as wide receiver 12. But there is, I think this teardrop and I think the DJ Moore point was good because, you know, sometimes it's like, there is, a, it's just, there's kind of like, you know, do I just take a number one receiver? Cause he's a target. He's going to be a target. I would, you know, even guys like going a little further down the list, like I could see Terry McLaurin even like jumping into the, that category, you know, at clear number one guy. I mean, Michael Thomas, does he come back into that role? Um, Brandon Cooks is going to get all the target. Like, there's just a lot of guys here. So, I mean, Sean, like, where are you on T Higgins? Is this a guy 
uh, first of all, do you have him ranked where he's going? And second of all, are you as comfortable taking him here? Or is this where you're, you're trying to get your tight end or your running back or something like that? Well, obviously, I'm always going to be a little bit higher on T. Higgins than consensus. That's just my MO. So, yeah, I have wide receiver 11. And to answer your previous question, does he deserve to be the only non-number one wide receiver in the top 12? And my answer is, of course. And I've seen a guy like Jalen Waddell sneak into the top 12. Ugh, he does not fit that. Don't like that. Me. Yeah. Because uh, the Bengals offense can absolutely support two top 12 wide receivers. So I think, yeah, the, the problem with Higgins, though, is he's closer to a ceiling. Um, so wide receiver 12, you're not getting that much value with him there. Plus, as Jeff alluded to, he he sits on top of a massive tier. I have 11 wide receivers within 10 projected points from him. Um, so this is a time where I'm going to probably wait at wide receiver, get one of these later guys that like you can get Brandon Cooks way later. And I'm only projecting him for like six fewer points. So this is when I like to attack, you know, running back, tight end, maybe quarterback, whatever else is going on, because there are going to be um, comparable receivers you know, one or two rounds later. So although I love Higgins, this is probably the top of a tier for me where I'm I'm probably going to be not getting as many shares as I would like. Yeah, I, I think, you know, early on the year when, when you know, kind of doing best ball drafts, I, I was going a lot more running back heavier in the, in the early rounds because there's just, there's so much uncertainty in those, with those other running backs because you don't know who's going to be who, who's getting hurt, who's, who's going to get the job. Now that we're starting to get into camp and we're getting more information, I think, Jeff, your point that you started the pod with about like, you, you need one of those top receivers early now because it, there, there is a teardrop. And it's really like once you start getting outside that top 10, it's like it sounds sexy. Like, oh, yeah, wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12. But like there's only like a, a few point, like a tenth of a point between like that wide <laughs> receiver 11 and 12 and that like that number 20, yeah. 22, 23 guy. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that that's kind of where I am on Higgins. Don't love the guy. I mean, uh, it still sticks. Somebody brought it up on Twitter today. Like, oh, no, don't do this to me. Oh, uh, I got to because I, I already uh, went through it. So, so Jeff, I don't know if you know, but Sean and I had, we both had 50 to one MVP tickets on, on T Higgins. And like, we were watching a game together and like, we were like, yo, we got this in the bag. And, and then we, and then we didn't. Especially so. when Joe Mixon <laughs> threw the touchdown to T Higgins. Yes. For the MVP odds, that was like, you couldn't draw it up any better than that. Uh, to have the running back throw one of his touchdowns. And then Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah. And now oh we're hearing God. all this uh, friction, you know, like uh, Mixon's like, I should have just checked my, myself back in the fucking yeah, game. Yeah, no shit. Oh, I'm so <laughs> tilted about that. Oh, man. But uh, no, this is a great pod, Jeff. We uh, we really thank you for doing this. Um, you know, let the people know all the great work you're doing, where they can find you, what you're up to, and uh, any other parting uh, words of wisdom. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, FTNFantasy.com, SiriusXM, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon Eastern. Uh, we have a real original name for the show. It's called the Jeff Ratcliffe Show. We workshop that thing hard to figure <laughs> that it. out. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I guess on Twitter as well, at Jeff Ratcliffe. If, if you hate, I'm going to mute. So <laughs> there's that. But, you know, I mean, generally speaking, going into your drafts, uh, one of the things that I think has helped me the most over the years in becoming a better drafter is on draft day, keep it simple, stupid. Now, I'm stupid. I'm the one who I talk about when I say keep it simple, stupid, because I used to go into drafts with like this master plan and the three ring binder and the and the laptop with 15 different tabs open. And I was there. And especially if I got maybe three adult beverages into the draft, I would be lost with all of that information. So I like to do all the preparation now. And then on draft day, it's just like an NFL game. We don't want to be thinking. We want to be reacting. 
So I keep it as simple as possible on draft day so that I can make my opponents pay for the mistakes. It's advice that has helped me. Hopefully it'll help uh, the listeners of this podcast. Well put. Well put, Jeff Ratcliffe. Uh, again, thanks for doing this. We really enjoy uh, you know, your work and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to, to everything you're putting out. You guys can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning Action Network app. Also, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for our fantasy rankings and content. And if you enjoy the pod, leave us a review. Uh, We'll be choosing our favorite five-star review every week. Uh, You get a free year of Action Pro. So I got another one coming next episode. Uh, Until next time, let's get this money.